Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the power of water and water life science. We're living on a planet that originated all erring breath. And let's just say it originated the life of time and eternity because of water. Without the water, there is no life and there's no time. The water has to feed into the planet, its surface, itself, down in below the surface in what we call aquifers. It's got to have certain amount, a percentage of water on the surface of the planet, the oceans, the lakes, the streams, the rivers has got to be able to work with the atmosphere of what created all life to have the time for eternity that brought all life to earth is the combination of all that with the water vapor in the atmosphere. It's vital to everything you do. It's everywhere you go. And that's why through the years I've questioned Insulated windows and walls, forced air heating and cooling in the buildings because of that water vapor that might disrupt uh, human life, all life, the plants too. It's, it's life and cause a situation to where there could be a question mark about who's being affected by that kind of change in the atmosphere for the human life or life to live and that spot it, it's how serious it is and we've been teaching and on this show and that's why this show starting a 13th year has been going to the rest of the world with what I say is a water crisis I think lack of education has been very concerning to me. I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research, Water Life Science. And in that research, I was able to do discovery and proof that the planet Earth, to exist for eternity, has to take serious the water. The water in, like I explained to you, the water in the aquifers, the water in, on the surface of the planet, and water in the atmosphere. The water vapor has to be there, 100%. And as we watch that temperature with the humidity, as we watch it, and we begin to study human life, life with that water. There's a word that I founded called evaporation of water on the earth and evaporation of water in your body and human life. The human life in the baby, with the baby in the womb, 
if nourished for all those months, preparing with nature's plan, a percentage of water per organ. So that when you're born, that percentage of organs will be able to live in the water vapor of the atmosphere per person. No two eyes are alike. No two fingerprints are alike. We're all different. To be able to work with each individual and their symptoms is a challenge, yes, because we need each one of us to learn how to, to be, get ourselves educated. We must really work to be educated about health and what could be so that we can learn to make choices for what is best for our individuality. Now, that means how do you breathe? Breathing is vital to the body. It's breathing that atmosphere. It's breathing the moisture from the body and the evaporation. You've got to learn how to breathe. You've got to drink a lot of water. And don't ever take that for granted. No added ingredients. Plain, unchemical additives of formulation water. The body is made up of percentages of water. And you must take that serious. And I've been a little disturbed with the doctors not taking a time with the patients out there when they come to the office to remind them to drink a lot of water. It's vital to everything you're doing every day. And if you're on a medication, you've got to drink one whole glass of water at a time. There should be no debate about too much water to be able to assimilate the medications and for you to be healthy to to, to do the best you can with those medications to try to see if they'll work or the vitamins. Now the food, nutrition, is vital to how you operate per person. Your individuality depends upon how you choose for the nutrition value, the nutrient value for you. And as I've been teaching you on this show for 13 years now, you must learn how, what nutrition is good for you. And we've learned you can cheat a little bit, but you've got to be serious about other parts of your nutrition. Very serious. We all do. It's confusing, I know, because there's so much to out there. But you have to, that's your secret. That's your way of living. That's your system of of life is your organism of living there with the the atmospheric water vapor and how you're conducting your choices of life. The other one is the exercise, moderately. Not overdo it. Now, you can be an athlete and go out and really vigorously train, but you got to be, when you're out of that training at that moment, when you're done at that moment, you go over and discipline yourself to consider how you do a retake for the body to be able to adjust 
to that vigorous exercise and then be able to assimilate what it's requiring to replenish and live an everyday healthy life. Sleeping is vital. The earth has to sleep. And the earth says, when you're sleeping, you've got to learn to do that per person. You don't just do it because you want to go to sleep. You've got to figure out your magic for you to go to sleep. Do some breathing exercises or take some time just to close your eyes and think a minute. Think of, do something with therapy before you go to bed. Don't go to bed when you're all uptight. Think that out. Think out how you're going to live with the moment that when you're getting ready to go to sleep, that you know you've done something to adjust to preparing, how serious it is and how much relaxation and enjoyment that you can sleep. So you've learned. You've got to learn to breathe the atmosphere and your body water and your evaporation to live with that. You've got to learn to drink a lot of water. Water is it's not counted unless it's pure water. At least eight to ten a day. Glasses, eight-ounce glasses. Nutrition is your nutrient value. Water, by the way, is nutrition. You can add that to it. Learn to be moderate with your how to do most of your life, even though if you're an athlete, figure out how to adjust that. And the other one is sleeping. It's critical to your health. And we're, now I'm coming into getting the insurance companies to think serious about health education and getting these pri- five priorities out there. So if any of you have been watching our press releases, our blogs, we've been serious about drinking water and serious about people learning their nutrient value and learning that word evaporation. See, evaporation is what takes you to from life to dehydration to death. So remember that word evaporation is important to you. We have a very special guest today. I'm really excited about this. I had asked Rose Hong, my program person, if she would get me somebody who's got a background in artificial intelligence so we could learn more about it. Many years ago, I knew that artificial intelligence would become a very important part of discovery of many new studies. And today we have Richard Lee. Richard Lee is a graduate student and a graduate teaching assistant at Western Washington University. Richard is a pianist and an author. He published Find Truth, True North. While he was still in high school, Richard received his bachelor's degree in biology at the University of Washington and was inspired to be a surgeon. Now his passion is computer science and artificial intelligence. Before we bring Richard 
Leon. This will be a very, very good show. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. What is the dry eye problem out there? The surface of the eye is 99% water. It evaporates from birth because the eyelid, when it opens, is not covered by the skin all day. That eye begins to evaporate. There are no two eyes alike. What are the complaints of problems and vision impairment? Two yes blindness. All of the refractive eye surgeries and all that is happening with eye drops. We have to learn how to supplement for more comfortable, soothing, dry eye to assist everything else to be even better. And Nature's Tears Eye Mist is a tissue culture grade of water. 100% water has to be with a small micron of mist. If it wasn't, you wouldn't be able to supplement the too much weight. Weight on that surface of the eye is what causes over-evaporation. Always remember that and remember the drinking of the water. No chemicals, drug-free, all just a dry eye solution that is a magic for everyone. Millions have been using it. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Richard Lee. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Audience, I want to introduce you to Richard Lee. Richard, you're with us? Yeah, hi. Well, thank you for joining us today. I was really looking forward to it. Besides your, to be your dedication to what you're studying... I was so excited to ask you today because you are a pianist. Have you ever heard of Yoshiki 
the concert pianist in Japan. I have, actually. Have you ever heard him? Yeah, I have. Oh, I am jealous. <laughs> uh, I guess he's coming to the United States to do a concert. Uh, have you heard about that? Uh, no, I have not been keeping up with uh, his news lately. Yeah, it's uh, he is amazing, isn't he? I mean, for, for me, I, I play the piano like Yanni does, but... That mm-hmm. is absolutely, um, he's amazing. Uh, do you really enjoy him? Yeah, it's very, very wonderful. But anyway, uh, today uh, we're here to talk, it's like a laboratory, this this class, this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're going to teach us today about, first of all, I want you to tell us about your life. We always do that with a gift. Tell us about where you grew up, how you got the inspiration to do your doing, and uh, then we'll go into uh, what you really started dedicating yourself to is um, computer science and artificial intelligence. But tell us about you first, Richard. Yeah, so I'm currently on my final two quarters of study at Western Washington University, I'm about to get my master's in computer science. I was originally uh, at the University of Washington. My original plan was to uh, become a doctor, uh, attend medical school, but that didn't end up working out. Um, So I decided to change career paths to machine learning um, and computer science. Um, I grew up in Bellevue, Washington, um, spent my whole life there. and, yeah, currently just about to finish uh, my education and hopefully get into the industry pretty soon. And where are you located now for your, uh, where's that located? Is that in Virginia? Oh, uh, no, it's in Bellingham, Washington. It's right up Oh, you're in Bellingham, Canadian Washington board. today. Right, okay. right. I'm okay. in Bellingham. <laughs> okay. Um, now... You always grew up up there in Washington? Right. Okay. And when you decided, now what type of surgeon were you thinking you wanted to be? Um, I was thinking dermatology, but it was never really set in stone. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, because uh, usually when you're in medical school, you don't decide your specialty until like the, the third or fourth year. So it's really early to be for me to decide it when I was that young. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But did you find that your background was perfect to begin to study computer science and artificial intelligence? Did you find that out that those, that knowledge and those instincts of knowledge Mm -hmm. became a benefit to you? Well, there is definitely some overlap. Um, for example, in the field of computer science, we have this subdomain called bioinformatics, which uses computer science in order to um, solve problems in the field of biological sciences. Um, for example, we can use computers to do gene sequencing. We can use it to construct uh, evolutional, uh, evolutionary timelines um, of different species. So there is definitely some overlap. Uh, however, biology is primarily... 
a um, it's not really based on mathematics, whereas computer science is really completely based on mathematics. So when you say the word mathematics and biological mm-hmm. science, I look at it this way in my research. To me, they are, because the behavior of each person and the technology is relating to that computer science. And the invention of artificial intelligence has to be an, an art, the intelligence, the understanding, the body's living with that ability to live with the atmosphere, no different than the computers had to learn to live with that atmosphere, to invent a wireless and the way they did it, to communicate through that source of, of, of technology. It's all depending upon the water vapor in the atmosphere. And I wanted to ask you today... Uh, and work with you on some thinking that you could teach us is mm-hmm. first of all, I'll ask you, did you follow me with what's going on in the atmosphere of the water vapor? I did catch about a few minutes of it, yeah, but I have not I'm not familiar okay, it, with uh, yeah okay, we know that in fact. There at the University of Washington, you have a doctor who's been studying the internal body water living with the atmosphere, too. He found a Mm -hmm. fourth water in the body. Dr. Gerald Pollack. Are you familiar with him? I have not heard of him before. Okay, he wrote the book, The Fourth Phase of Water, Mm -hmm. that they found, that nobody else had found. Well, he and I agree that... A human body is, once it's born, and it comes from that womb and lives in the atmosphere, begins a, an electrical charge to live with the atmosphere like you t- plug in a light socket to a wall. Are you following me? Yeah, it does make sense, yeah. Okay, that water, for example now, In the womb of the body, nature provided a time frame for all life to be developed per organ with so much water. For that water to be able to be arrived before that baby is born to be achieved per organ Mm -hmm. percentage. Mm-hmm. Once that baby comes out, it touches what? It's touching the water vapor of the atmosphere to begin to live with that charge. Mm-hmm. The body is charging like a battery to the atmosphere. The invention of power is because of water. In fact, you may have even known that the LED light, it takes a droplet of water or it wouldn't work in there. Mm -hmm. LED lights. 
Oh, you probably wow. heard. Uh, you probably heard through the years of all these different technologies that depend upon the water, or they wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. I had somebody who's a scientist, air, uh, airline, uh, airplane controller. And she said, Sharon, the plane can't fly without that water vapor in the air. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Mm. So have you ever thought about that? How that water vapor, in fact, if you heard the news today, there was a plane that arrived, and I apologize, I don't remember, to a destination two hours earlier because the water vapor, the water, the wind current and the vapor were giving it an ability to do something that was unusual to arrive two hours early. Wow. And that's because of that, that charge, Richard, mm-hmm. that charge mm-hmm. in the air that we ignore. We ignore it in research and health issues. We ignore it in everything. And people take for granted what is happening there with that computer, with algorithm, the invention of that coding and all that behavior? It's a behavior that is there because of the behavior, the way its life extends because of the atmosphere. Without, with anybody tampered with the atmosphere enough, you could shut it all off. Out there. Interesting. Mm. Now, artificial intelligence. You tell us and educate us how you believe artificial intelligence is capable of doing what it's doing. Yeah, so artificial intelligence is all about using computers in order to write software that can sort of think and uh, process information like humans do. And we... I'm sort of specializing in the field of machine learning and deep learning, which is sort of a subset of artificial intelligence. And what machine learning does is it uses um, mathematical models and algorithms in order to take in uh, data that you currently have and extrapolate it in order to accommodate future information. Um, For example, you could use it to uh, take in information about housing prices in an area and use that information to build a model to extrapolate housing prices if you give it another input. For example, you could say this house is 4,000 square feet, it's in this area, has this many bedrooms, and you input that information into the model and it will spit out a, a price for you, an estimated price that is based on the other information in the area. So that is machine learning. And if we're talking about deep learning, deep learning uses what we call convolutional neural networks in order to, what they do is they model the human brain, actually. So in deep learning, we have these individual neurons, and they're modeled with computers to sort of have this threshold value, where if um, the input into the neuron is below a threshold value, it won't fire. But if the input feeding into the neuron is above the threshold value, it will fire. So it's really exciting. We're using computers to model now, individual say, neural networks. Stop, I'm going to... Let me interrupt you for a minute as I go. What mm-hmm. do you mean, and explain to our audience what you mean by it'll fire? What does that mean to you? So, so computers, you know, we have um, two possible states. We have the bits 0 and 1, 
um, that's all computers can store, basically, is that it's either yes or no. So each individual neuron is basically um, taking in a value between either zero or one, or true or false. For example, if you're passing it, we usually use deep learning to recognize images. Um, so you could pass it an image, and the individual neuron can either say, yes, this is um, a tree, or no, it's not a tree. And it all depends on the threshold value. If, if the signals you're sending into the individual neuron are below a threshold value, it will not fire. It will automatically just assume it's null, it's zero, it's false. But if the uh, stimulation to that individual neuron are above a threshold value, it will then fire. And we use some uh, mathematical function in order to approximate how uh, neurons in the human brain actually work. In other words, the brain is 70 to 80 percent water, and the neuron mm-hmm. is measuring that. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Um, and haven't so they the been neuron... using, haven't they been, go ahead. Yeah, so the neurons in the human brain are not, they're actually, um, they're, they're firing based on the concentrations of potassium and sodium. So they have uh, on the neuron on the neuron membranes. There's these uh, sodium potassium channels, which maintain a constant voltage of about negative 45 milliamps. But if some stimulation uh, from neighboring neurons were to occur, what happens is that um, membrane potential is depolarized, and it causes um, the neuron to fire. So it will first uh, depolarize to negative 75 milliamps, and then once that happens, the sodium potassium gates open, and that allows positively charged uh, potassium ions from outside the membrane to flow into the cell, and that causes a repolarization. So that's how the neurons work in terms of, uh, in terms of like, human biology. Now, how are they doing it when I've been to uh, different customs when they have the AI working to take... Mm-hmm. Uh, and artificial intelligence as each of us as we go through. What is that doing? Right. Uh, pardon, what, what part is what doing? To identify the person and put it on file, mm-hmm. um, uh, their identity. How is that working? Oh, so you're talking about, like, uh, putting in an image and then the machine learning model is able to uh, do facial recognition? Right. Okay. Right, okay. Uh, so that works uh, based on identifying features. So deep learning is all about um, building um, from a bottom up. So we have multiple layers in a deep learning uh, model, and each individual layer is uh, consistently identifying larger features in an image. For example, the first layer might just identify pixels but then the second layer might identify lines, and then it identifies shapes, and so on and so forth. And then pretty soon we get a very good list of features in this individual image. And we can use those features to identify a person, for example. We could use features such as the distance between their eyes or the, the width of their face to the, width of, to the height of their face, like the proportion, or the size of their nose. So you basically just use multiple layers to generate all these different features and then, and then use like that as a sort of fingerprint in order to identify a person. 
That's what I was going to say. It would be like they are using it. They're t- using, they've been able to determine with what you've been learning is that artificial mm-hmm. intelligence can go in on um, that, that, that um, technology and mm-hmm. pick up the molecular ability for those, which all those things you just pointed out to add to the behavior that's necessary for artificial intelligence to be able to, co- to communicate with it. Did you right. follow me just what I said? Right, yeah. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Now, okay, um, what would you think would happen if they were that area of artificial intelligence where they were doing that was had a disruption of some kind, like smoke in the air, um, it's all of a sudden got uh, pollution atmosphere, or what do you think would happen to that artificial intelligence at that time? Uh, I'm not sure about the computer. The computer should be fine uh, as long as it's receiving electricity from the power outlet. Um, I'm not familiar with computers being affected by humidity, um, if, if that's what you're talking about. Well, they wouldn't be operating if they didn't have that water and vapor in the air. Oh, interesting. They have to. All right. Mm-hmm. They have to. All right. It's no different than you have to operate. The planes have to operate. Power has mm-hmm. to operate. And all these things, for example, uh, how would mm-hmm. they turn off, let's say, they're worried about some of this technology uh, warfare mm-hmm. um, attacks. What would they do to turn that off? Mm, interesting question. I'm not really sure, actually. Changing the atmosphere mm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. How do they turn power off? And the thing mm. is about artificial intelligence, the future of it, is enormous. It is. For everyone, for everyone Mm -hmm. to get in the game, to be in it. Now, um, uh, artificial intelligence for uh, identification, like you said, are they starting to use it more and more? Oh, yeah. Um, You can see this in China, actually. Uh, China has the... Uh, most developed system of artificial intelligence implementation in the world. Right now, and if you go mm-hmm. into China and you're walking on the street, and let's say you just jaywalk, you cross the road at the wrong point. Well, they actually have these facial recognition cameras on, like, on the side of the road, and they'll take a picture of you, and they'll immediately know who you are, and then they will deduct money from your bank account, which is linked to your uh, online profile. So if you jaywalk, mm-hmm. within five minutes, you could be fined a hundred dollars, and it's just automatically taken out of your bank account. And all of that is done so happens, intelligence. Does that happen all at once, too? Does the withdrawal yeah. happen then, too? It okay. does. It, it happens all, all at once. All because they're using artificial intelligence. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have you heard... Uh, we're going to have to take a break here in a minute for our sponsors, so don't go anywhere, Richard. All right. But we'll discuss yeah. that. And so people can begin to understand what the future of that is for everyone. 
and where that that discovery can stem to work, where the futures could go. So we're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and don't you go anywhere, Richard. You're going to teach us a lot today. <laughs> I'll be right okay, here. We'll be right back. Okay. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. Your surface of your eye is 99% water. It's like a battery with the charge of the atmosphere. What is dry eye? Dry eye is evaporation of the eye. Water evaporation, that's what the body is doing from birth to the moment you begin birth, you evaporate to eventually dehydration, which is death. So your life with that eye has been having a lot of problems out there. People all over the world having vision impairment, dry eye complaints, medication and dry eye, refractive surgeries and dry eye, eye drops and dry eye, weather changes, indoor, outdoor, a lot of problems from birth on. Not everybody is the same. No two people evaporate the same. No two eyes alike. No two fingerprints alike. Everybody is evaporating individually. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, drug-free, chemical-free, was invented by Biologic Aqua Research to be able to supplement, to assist everything, to provide a comfort to individuals with dry eye, to offer a supplementation that's safe, easy, enjoyable, doesn't run the female cosmetics, all ages, everyone can use it with just a mist, a handheld portable device to be able to provide a dry eye solution to the problems of your discomfort to supplement. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature Steers Eye Mist, and we'll be back with Richard Lee. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Richard, thank you for waiting with us. I wanted to, yeah, we, were no talking about, uh, we were talking about artificial intelligence and, the, uh, and being able to do um, different identity uh, in China. And that if a person's walking across the street and they jaywalk, it'll be immediately that identity with artificial intelligence would be sent to have a withdrawal of a fine. Right. How much of that's going on? How much of that is going on around the world? Do you think? Um, it's primarily being incubated in China. It's obviously the most developed in China at the current moment. It's not so much present in other countries, uh, particularly Western countries, due to the moral quandaries about moral uh, human rights and privacy rights. But in China, their political system does not really recognize uh, individual privacy. So it's definitely much more mm-hmm. developed in China, where they have a network of around 300 million security cameras, CCTV cameras around the entire country in order to implement the system. So now I want to ask you, could they do that if you were driving a car? Uh, They could actually, yes. How does that work when there's a car involved, that vehicle structure and the the way it's built? How does that Mm -hmm. detect with artificial intelligence who that is in that car. Right. So they uh, have these, probably these kind of special cameras that will uh, be able to see through the windshield and actually be able to get a clear view of your face. And that's the most important thing is your face. That's how they identify you. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm after, the face. Now, do you know when that baby is born, there are no two skins alike, no two eyes Mm -hmm. alike? Correct. Everybody's different. Everybody's evaporating water through the body with that electrical charge differently. For symptoms of treatment or uh, determining cures instead of the word remission, do you have any ideas how they may go in and use artificial intelligence to look for cures of the potential of symptoms? To, to be able to detect the symptoms quicker than, um, than they're taking now with um, what might cure re- before it gets too serious? Have you ever started yeah, to so think about a, that? Yeah, so that's a very good point. Um, uh, I, I do believe that they are using artificial intelligence in order to detect uh, anomalies in body temperature. For example, we have the coronavirus uh, epidemic going on in China right now, and they have been using these body cameras at airports in order to detect uh, the body temperature of people passing by. And they use infrared sensors uh, in order to detect the infrared heat waves, and they can use that in order to uh, identify people who may be having symptoms of the coronavirus. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I heard, did you hear where uh, with uh, breast cancer, they're able to detect 
a, a new direction to look at for breast cancer with artificial intelligence. Have you read about that? Uh, I have not, actually. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the future of artificial intelligence is for some breakthroughs in the medical field? Uh, I do think do that one of the... I do believe that one of the goals we're going for is uh, to um, be able to supplement uh, doctors, medical providers at this point. Uh, right now, the medical field is very behind in terms of adapting technology, uh, such as artificial intelligence. I do believe we can use artificial intelligence in order to diagnose illnesses, for example. Uh, we can actually use these algorithms and have patients input their symptoms, and we use algorithms in order to calculate uh, potential diagnosis. <laughs> so when you have them type in their symptoms, they've got some different questions to ask them also. Right. So that they right. type in the symptom, yeah, with some right. of the ways it w- it, that that algorithm would detect it. Mm-hmm. Not just making, yeah, and somebody saying, okay, I'm going to type in mine, but... but, but the uh, questions would help the algorithm detect those symptoms. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. The questions, because of the questions. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. To me, the future of it, uh, what you're studying, is wide to an exciting new future discovery. Aren't you excited? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh Computer science can be used for almost anything. I mean, if you anything that needs calculations or just you know basic mm-hmm. uh, information storage, you're going to be using computer science. Uh, anything that you need to predict, uh, if you can sort of simplify it into an algorithm, you can use machine learning, artificial go. intelligence in order to uh, give you some prognostication on that. Right, that algorithm. Mm-hmm. Way back in time, I was curious. I'm one of those people who's always curious to study. Mm-hmm. If you say, go do this, I'll, I'll study it, about it. And I studied the invention of that computer way back in time. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, oh, my gosh, that algorithm is huge <laughs> for the future. Yeah. So I called the CERN group, and have you ever heard of the CERN group in Switzerland? Uh, I have, yeah. Concern- I think they're responsible yeah, for okay. that Adam Crasher. Okay, I called them and said, you're behind all this, too. I said, tell me how valuable I am thinking about this algorithm. And they said, you're right on. <laughs> but it is it. And I said, Mike, <laughs> and Richard, can you imagine, uh, at the time, I went out and did a little test case on some algorithm, on some samplers with Nature Series IMS, which were the founders of the IMS. And mm-hmm. I said I would give away, or no, I did it with the facial mist, Nature's Mist Face of the Water, a two-ounce to give away. And we worked on the algorithm, and all of a sudden, thousands of people wanted it based (laughs) on how I reached to them on the algorithm. This is way back. And then all of a sudden, out of Philadelphia, this company called and said, a large company said, how are you doing that? (laughs) (laughs) And, And I watched the behavior 
of it all. And then I, all I could think about, and then with artificial intelligence, I thought the combination for the medical field mm-hmm. is unlimited, Richard. It's unlimited. Right. Correct. Could you, could you ever, ever learn enough? And ever. You can't. There's so much to be discovered because the atmosphere changes all the time, too. The planet Earth changes living with that solar system. So the way to go about that study and that behavior can be used now, not just for, like a typewriter, but learn how to discover where is this going. And anytime somebody thinks they understand it or they know exactly what it's all about, they're going to be in trouble. <laughs> because as you yeah. can tell me and my audience, if I'm right or wrong, because it will change constantly, all the time, every moment, right. probably. Yeah. What do you What do you say? Uh, definitely. So in life, uh, nothing is really ever certain. Uh, if we were using a computer program to model this, we would probably be using a random number generator, which is sort of how we model real-world probabilities. But you're right. Uh, these algorithms, they are becoming ubiquitous in our daily life. For example, on this uh, newest iPhone that I have, there is a machine learning program that will predict when I wake up to unplug my phone from the charger. And what it does is it's trying to save the battery because if you charge the battery to 100% and just leave it plugged in for like a couple hours, it'll actually drain the battery life. So my iPhone has this machine learning artificial intelligence software that will learn to predict when I wake up every day to unplug my cell phone and it will wait until about 20 minutes, 30 minutes before I wake up when it predicts I wake up and it will start, it'll stop it at 80% charged. And then in that last 30 minutes, it will fill it up to hundred percent. And so it's using these machine okay. learning algorithms in order to predict that. Now, now when you say it did this on its own, what do you think the science behind that is? Yeah, so what they're doing is they're keeping a record. Isn't that, isn't that, an, isn't that an artificial intelligence working with the algorithm? Correct, right. Right. Oh, there's so much. Now, I want to ask you before you go today, or almost done, mm-hmm. tell us about, you published a book when you were young, but uh, well, you're still, still young, Find True North. What is that book about? So it's about um, a young adult male in North Korea who um, sort of sees past the collectivist um, ideology of, the, of North Korea and begins to adopt more individualistic overtones. And at some point, uh, one of his family members is actually sent to one of the North Korean prison camps, and he has to find a way to rescue uh, that family member. And it's basically a story mm-hmm. about that rescue, but also a story about individual discovery and finding your individual voice in a collectivist society. Oh, unbelievable. What was your inspiration for that at the time? Did you have something uh, that you personally had ran into with somebody? Um, not really with somebody in general, um, but more about mm-hmm. just um, my feelings about uh, growing up and how do I how do I become like a member 
of this society. There's, I feel like there's a, sort, a certain loss that occurs when um, an individual makes the decision to ingratiate themselves to a society. They have to let go of a certain part of themselves, a certain part of their individuality or uniqueness in order to be accepted by the society, any society. And so mm-hmm. when I was like 17, 16, that was the sort of phase that I was going through and I wanted to write about it. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Good for you, Richard. Thank now, you. Uh, we're out of time. I hope you enjoyed yourself. But I want you to know whenever you decide you want to come on and discuss some new findings and some new thinking that you'd like to, if this like a laboratory with me, you people mm-hmm. get to e- eavesdrop about you and I studying together what could be maybe and what you know. And artificial right. intelligence is going to is a huge, enormous future. And you gave us really good education today. I think it has a huge potential in the medical field. I really do. But thank you for yeah. coming on today, and bless you for what you're doing. And enjoy your. You have yeah. a nice day. And thank, thank you, you too for coming on. You're very You're special. Welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Well, I want to thank you for listening, audience. Today we learned a lot, and that was what I was out to do, is our future on this planet is moving, and there's so much to learn. But health education, new breakthroughs to find cures is my goal, and there's, they're there. The, the whisper is there. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Always put a child's heart in your hands and know that, that there's no such thing as an imperfect child. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.